In this episode of 2000 Books, Dr. Ellen Ensher teaches us a proven three-step process for getting a mentor. Well, hello. Hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs. Books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Ellen Ensher is a professor of management at Loyola Management University. Ellen has conducted extensive research on mentoring and her book, Power Mentoring, details it all. Ellen, I'm really excited to have you on the show and talk about a topic that can have life-altering implications in our listeners' lives, in an entrepreneur's life. So welcome, Ellen. Thank you. Uh, so Ellen, let's, let's talk about the book. Why should an ambitious entrepreneur read this book? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons to get a mentor, and I'm going to touch on two in particular. So there's a whole slew of research that's been done in the past 20 years that's pretty exciting and robust that shows that people who have mentors in general make more money than those who don't, have greater career satisfaction, especially for entrepreneurs. Uh, mentors can really help you make connections and and introduce you to into networks that you probably wouldn't have access to without mentors and also increase your visibility and give you skill sets. So that's kind of a whole, that's like a summary of about 20, 30 years of research right there. <laughs> um, I think the second reason though is maybe even more compelling, which is when I think about an entrepreneur, I think about somebody who has to take on a series of new roles and a series of new skills. And a lot of times I find with entrepreneurs, they weren't necessarily trained for those. So maybe you have a passion for cooking, you know the cooking side, you don't know, necessarily know the business side. Um, and, and, and I think the great thing about connecting with a team or a network of mentors is they can actually help you navigate through these new roles and through these through the, the accumulation of new skill sets uh, very readily. And, and I think the thing that's really cool about this is, is that you can use this approach to having a team of mentors really throughout your whole career and your whole personal life because life continues to hand us challenges whether it's as an entrepreneur or just as a as a working professional and so if you know how to connect with a team then that's going to be like a superpower that you have um I mean, I actually have kind of a personal story about this that might really demonstrate the importance of it. Do you want me to share that? Yeah, we should get into it as soon, like, as, soon as we kind of get into the book. Uh, so I'll hold off just a little bit on it. And uh, um, uh, Before we get into the story, tell us a little bit about, I guess, your personal story and what led you to writing the book. And I guess that would probably be the story itself here. <laughs> no, actually, they're two different stories because okay. my thinking has evolved. Okay. really in in the last 10 years so i've continued to do a lot on mentoring and i and i had a recent personal experience that kind of gave me some new insight mm -hmm. so I, I think what led me to write the book well um gosh i think it goes all the way back to the los angeles riots and the very first time i did some research on mentoring so with the la riots in the early 90s um 
I had a client at that time, which was the Los Angeles Times, and they really wanted to figure out a way to help rebuild the city and help diversify the workforce. So they decided to have a summer jobs training program and bring in youth. And they wanted to give the youths mentors. And so my client came to me and said, so does race matter? Do we, do we pair people with same race or different race? And at that point, there really wasn't any research done on it. And I thought it was such an interesting question um, that it launched me. And I ended up doing a study and writing uh, a, you know, a whole a, a series of academic articles. And, and that was something, when I did the research, I found out that, yes, race mattered at first. However, as people got to know each other, those effects of race or gender or, you know, nowadays we're even looking at things like attractiveness and other demographics, like these distortions go away um, as you get to know people on a deeper level, like as you get to know their goals and their values and their personalities. So that whole experience with looking at mentoring through the diversity lens really made me curious about, well, if we know that um, there's some interesting things happening um, in terms of mentoring and diversity, how do really successful people um, get mentors and how do they stay connected and how do they navigate through their relationships? And so my co-author, Susan Murphy, and I decided we'd look at what we thought were sort of the three most compelling industries or, or you know, kind of uniquely U.S. Um, <laughs> exports, which is technology, uh, media, and entertainment, and politics. And so we interviewed 50 uh, CEOs, executives, and their protégés. Yeah, and it's a great read on so many different uh, uh, CEOs and protégés and how they have both mutually benefited from mentorship and being protégés being a mentor or being a protege, but I know you were going to tell us a personal story, so so continue that, continue the stories. <laughs> okay, so I wrote the book 10 years ago, and then since then, I've done a lot of speaking, and uh, a lot of, uh, I've written a lot of other articles about mentoring, and I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago about how to get a mentor, which really made me synthesize my thinking. So I thought I knew a lot about mentoring, and uh, and I thought it was really important. But I have to tell you, by probably the end of 2014, my deep dark secret was I was actually getting a little tired of talking about mentoring, and I was wondering if I should sort of cheat on my literature and and go a different direction. And then um, then I found out I had breast cancer, and oh, wow. so. Yeah, so I went in for a routine mammogram at the end of October 2014, and I got the news that every woman dreads, um, and I found out I had breast cancer, and so suddenly I had to take on a new role, and that role was breast cancer patient, mm -hmm. and I had to learn a new set of skills, and, and that whole new set of skills was how to heal, and then I had to connect with a whole new set of people, which were like top doctors, top healers in town. I mean, the great thing about being in LA is there's a lot of resources here. The hard thing is how to source all those. So I, at the time, I was actually teaching my students about mentoring, which was kind of ironic. And um, I realized, oh my gosh, all this stuff that I'm teaching them, 
this is what I need to be doing right now in order to navigate through my new life challenge, my new role, my new mm -hmm. set of skills that I had to acquire. And so um, the first thing I did was I, post I decided to sacrifice my privacy for data. And so I posted on this mom's group, figuring this is the demographic I needed. And I said, you know, hey, ladies, I need... Um, support, I need recommendations, I need mentors, I need to know, you know, how, what to do. And I got a lot of responses. I ended up doing like 20 informational interviews with breast cancer survivors. Uh, I looked at everyone's recommendations and then from that I saw that there were some rock stars in the field of breast cancer um, research and oncologists. And in fact, the oncologist I ended up picking, um, I chose her because of her mentoring lineage. So the particular kind of breast cancer that I had was one, um, I was very, very fortunate, there's a, there a targeted gene therapy. And the guy who found this gene is the mentor to my doctor. So I, once I found out about her lineage and she took it, I realized, okay, that's the best that I can possibly get. I have not only access to this protege, but I really have access to her mentor too. Mm -hmm. And um, then I created this whole team, just like I tell people to do professionally. So I had a step ahead mentor, I had peer mentors, I had mentors across boundaries. So everything I talk about in the book, I ended up using for my personal life. And really, I, it was funny because I came out the other end um, like completely reinvigorated to talk about mentoring again. So in a weird way, it like brought me back to my roots. Wow. That's such a, probably such a terrifying experience to start with. And, and I'm glad, and we're all glad that you are safe and well now. Thank but, you. Yeah. And but beyond that, the fact that uh, you, you were able to do that as a result of something that you were trying to run away from for in the first place. For a while I guess yeah yeah that's 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 really true and I mean I think realizing you know especially for entrepreneurs I mean I think sometimes we tend to compartmentalize our personal and professional lives but I think certainly as entrepreneurs there's such a blurring of boundaries anyway I mean mm -hmm. most people are working 24 7 and are connected 24 7 and so if we can think about our professional skills like getting a mentors being this like portable skill set that can help us personally too. I think it. I think it gives a lot of meaning and um, to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, we'll get into the the nuts and bolts of how to get a mentor, but I can personally vouch that my best mentoring relationships are also in some ways personal relationships now. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, but let's get into it. So let's let's talk about. I mean, usually uh, in this interview we talk about the three best ideas that pertain to entrepreneurs. But in this case, the whole book to me is uh, is all about really a very powerful idea, which is getting a mentor. So what I want to do in this interview is really have you guide us through the process mm -hmm. of finding mentors. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, I actually did a TEDx talk on this, but that was only 18 minutes long. So <laughs> I can, I, I have a lot more to say than that. But Let's do um, it. So I wanted to just, you know, kind of recap that. So I, I, when I talk to people about how to get a mentor, I always ironically sort of tell them to start with themselves. So before you can have a relationship with someone else, you have to know, um, 
you have to look inside yourself and ask yourself, what are you good at? Because that part of what you're good at, it's it's what you bring to the table for someone. And then the other part of that is, well, uh, what are you looking for that's complementary? Like what's missing or, you know, what what is it that you want to develop? You know, what new role do you want to take on? What new skills? So I think you have to get, you know, what are your goals? So I think you have to get really clear about who you are, um, what you're good at, what you need to learn, and what you offer um, before you even take step one, you know, before you even reach out to a mentor at all. And I think... Uh, there's a lot of ways to develop that self-awareness. So, you know, one great way is there's a number of assessments. I, I mean, I always refer people to the Strengths Finder. I think mm -hmm. it's amazing. True Colors, and then really just asking people that care about you in your life, like, what am if you're if you're not sure, you know, what am I good at? What are my growing edges? So that that's step one. So let's let's recap really quickly. I mean, step one is understanding yourself. Um, Taking an assessment of yourself from all different directions, possibly from StrengthsFinder 2.0, which is probably a, which is a great test. I highly recommend to anyone to do it. Um, and not only that, but understanding yourself, but going beyond that to understand what is it that you want, right? Right. And uh, uh, and uh, not only what is it that you want, what is it that you offer in this whole process to a mentor? Because this is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because that is one of my, like, you know, if, there, if there's a thread, you know, if there's one thing I want people to walk away and remember, it's that idea, which is simply that mentoring has to have reciprocity. There has to be mutuality in it or else it's just not going to be sustained. You know, it's like any interpersonal relationship. If it's a one-way relationship, after a while, hopefully, if it's a healthy relationship, you're not going to stay on. You're not going to stay in it. It's got to be something where you're both giving and taking, even if it's something completely different. Um, yep. So, shall I go into step two? Yeah, uh, uh, let's let's go into step two. But though, it would be good for someone to really. You know, if you have any specific feedback or ideas or action items on how to go about, you know, maybe listing what maybe they should go about thinking through all the things that they are looking for, all the things that they want to accomplish in their career. Or, you know, I know you have some exercises in your book to actually accomplish that. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of ways that you can know thyself. So, I mean, one, if you consider the whole wonderful world of assessment. So, there's strengths finders, there's true colors, there's Myers-Briggs, and I mean, you know, and here's like an easy way to do this. So for most people, they can go back to their universities because the career centers should allow access to alums. I mean, it's kind of standard practice and it's kind of a little secret that most alums don't know, but you could go back to your career center meet with a career counselor and ask to take this whole slew of standardized assessments hmm. um, that for a really low cost. I mean, you can always meet with a career counselor and pay more. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, if you, if you just buy the book, The Strengths Finder, which, you know, I'm not affiliated with, that's a great way to know yourself. You know, same thing with emotional intelligence. So I think there's, you know, like a whole category of assessments, which are really, really valuable for people. And if you want guidance through those, then going to a career center or going to a career counselor is, you know, a great way to do that. Um, 
then I think there's kind of a whole uh, set of things that you can do just on your own to know yourself. I mean, I think number one is to reflect on uh, experiences that have pushed you out of your comfort zone and how did you handle those. So like, for example, when I'm talking to my uh, undergrad or MBA students, we'll talk about that and it might be things like, well, I went to Guatemala on an alternative spring break. Um, I slept um, on Skid Row for three nights to experience what it's like to be homeless. Uh, I just talked to a group of UCLA um, execs and I was asking them, you know, well, how did you recently push yourself out of your comfort zone? And it's like, okay, well, I left a job uh, that paid me really well, but I hated it and started from scratch. Or, uh, you know, I applied to go on Shark Tank. So, whatever it is, there's, I think if you reflect on your out of your comfort zone experiences, that can give you some information about yourself in terms of um, what you're good at and also what your stretch areas are. So where you might need help, where you might need to connect with a mentor. So, you know, if you went on Shark Tank and you just got pounded, uh, well, then that might tell you, you know what, you need a better sense of presentation skills, for example. Um, I think the other, you know, third category of things that you could do is you can you use use the people that are already in your life, you know, whether it's be it's people that you have a relationship, spouses, partners, best friends, parents, they'll tell you what you're good at and what you're not good at. Very you know, I think I think most of us, you know, have a mother who will be happy to give us some feedback. Maybe a spiritual counselor, um, you know, maybe an actual counselor. So basically thinking about you know, who do I trust that could give me feedback? And and that's a that's a great way to. So those are those are three categories to to um, to know yourself better. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And the reason we need to know ourselves better is because not only will it help us uh, in the journey of being a protege, but also it will you know that is the way for us to know what is it that I can offer to the mentor, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really important to know because a lot of people stop themselves from even approaching a mentor because they assume, well, that person is 10 levels above me or they make 10 times more revenue than I do. What is it that I can offer them? So talk to us a little bit about that, their trepidation, their fear to go after someone when you don't really, or, or just that, you know, you don't even try to go after someone because you're already uh, counting yourself out. Right, I think that happens a lot. Um, in fact, I remember interviewing the protege of the U.S. Treasurer, and she talked about, she was a young woman, and she talked about how she started following um, Rosario's career from afar, and she said she would look at her and think to herself, she's way up there, and I'm way down here. How can I ever, you know, have the chutzpah, the guts to connect with this woman? You know, she's way up there, I'm way down here, what do I offer? And, and I thought that was, you know, I thought that was such a common feeling that we have. And I mean, I find people have this, whether again, they're my really bright undergrads or whether they're, they're um, very experienced professionals. I think people have that trepidation. So that, that's why, you know, I kind of developed these other two steps. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, step two, do you want me just to go on to that? Because I want to talk about the connect with courage as yeah. really the way. Okay, so keep yeah, going. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's keep okay. going. Okay, 
So step two is to really dream big and, and, and think about, reflect on who to reach out to is step two. And so dream big and think about who are the rock stars, the go-to people um, in your profession, in your industry. And I mean, every single industry has those people. And, you know, I even say, don't limit yourself to, you know, like they can, they can inspire you dead or alive. I mean, I think for a lot of people, Steve Jobs is still someone that he left that is a huge source of inspiration. I mean, he left behind a body of work, but also wonderful TED Talks and, a, you know, a whole set of curriculum for universities to use. So there's things to be learned. Um, from inspirational mentors even if you don't have a relationship but I like people to kind of make a hit list of people that they would like to connect with and um, then and here, here's the real trick of it is to start asking yourself who do I know that knows someone and I think what's really really great these days is that we have LinkedIn mm -hmm. and we can actually use LinkedIn to figure out um, who and how people are connected and you can look at people's first second third degrees connection and then maybe you don't have a direct connection to that person but maybe you went to the same university so there's someone at that university in your alumni network who can connect you so literally for every single person every person that we talked to in this book and I actually just did a whole other study where I talked to 20 other executives one of whom was Tony Shea the CEO of Zappos every single person in there the way we got them is we started with our wish and then we we went back and we figured out who they were connected to that we knew someone so one person for example there was a there you know we we realized she had gone to a Catholic girls school well, we knew a nun who was in that order, so we contacted the order of that, that nun and we said, you know, do you know anyone in your community who knows that principal? Yes, I do. Then that principal reached out for us. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you want to reach out. And so the idea here is that you want to make a warm connect. And so find somebody who can provide you with an introduction. Uh, whether it's online or in person, either way is fine, um, but that's preferred. And I know that people tend to be a lot more successful when they make that warm connect. Although, I mean, with that said, I, I teach this process every semester and I'm always kind of amazed because a lot of times students will just reach out and do a cold connect like one did this recently to an executive at Riot Games, one did this recently to an executive at Tender Greens and they both said yes. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't le I wouldn't say never do a cold c connect. I would just say no that that's going to probably take you more time and energy and that if you want to like short circuit the process to go with a warm connect. It's really, I mean, this step is consi consisting of two steps. One is to identify who you want to connect with, but not only that, also identify the people who can help you connect with that person. Exactly. Um, and then that gets us into to the third step, which is to connect with courage. And I think this really addresses that whole trepidation fear thing, because I find you know, I mean, we could go through it. It's like there's there's probably a whole list of common fears 
that most people have. I mean, I think one is that that feeling like I'm not worthy. You know, mm -hmm. I'm younger, I'm less experienced. Um, I'm going to be bothering someone, or you know what? I might get rejected, or I might just fumble, or I'm you know, or the biggest thing is that idea like I'm an imposter. You know, I don't really belong here as an entrepreneur. I'm not really quite smart enough. Um, and they're going to find that out or, or maybe, you know, the uh, other fear is kind of like that, that more arrogant approach, which is like, I already know everything, you know, mm -hmm. and I might have to embrace a new worldview and that is not fun. So I think like getting really clear on what your fears are is super important because I think sometimes just naming them out loud like oh god it's that I'm not worthy or you know I feel like I'm an imposter mm -hmm. and then and then um, what I encourage people to do once they've identified what those fears are is just realize you know what these are really common almost everyone has felt that way at one point or another and and uh, and that's that's something not to be ashamed of, but just to kind of embrace as the common human experience. And and this and, and the thing to do is to create a courage ritual. So think about other things that you've had to do in your life that are hard. Um, whether it's go on an interview, you know, whether it's ask someone out on a date. Um, Basically, any time where you've had to put yourself out there and you feared that you might get rejected, or maybe even it's you know performing some kind of athletics, um, think about what you can do to make yourself brave and courageous. So, for example, in my TEDx talk, I actually share my courage ritual, which is a little scary, but it's I have a song that I sing. <laughs> so for yeah, so for a lot of people, it's music. Um, I have written a couple of blog posts about what my, you know, students find, you know, so they like Eminem, you know, has this great song about not being afraid after you. So my students have come up with really great ideas for courage rituals. So Roar by Katy Perry, you know, I got the eye of the tiger, the fighter, Eminem, not afraid, Naz, I can, <laughs> the champ by Nell. So there's, there's a whole category of courage rituals around music. And then, of course, Amy Cuddy uh, is a mm -hmm. professor at Harvard Business School, did a great TED talk uh, several years ago and talked about the importance of power poses. So you could look that one up, do some power poses. And there's really solid research on how that um, increases your ability to, to reach out to someone. Uh, some people read a poems. They have inspirational quotes. Uh, some people call their mom. Some people have a prayer. Some people have a physical set of gestures that they use. But if you if you're not doing something now, uh, I would really encourage people to think about what could be their courage ritual, and you know maybe start surveying your friends and and asking people, you know what what do you do to like pump yourself up? when you have to go do something that's challenging. Maybe I'll ask you that, Manny. What do you, do you have a courage ritual? Yeah, um, I have quite a few. And uh, by the way, I, I want to talk, I want to 
just quickly talk about this book that I find really powerful, which is the idea that you started with, which is feel the fear and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the name of the book itself, feel the fear and do it anyways. Oh. Uh, uh, great book. But my courage ritual, yes, body language is one of the biggest ones. And I'm power posing by Amy Cuddy. I have adopted that one a lot lately and it has worked tremendously. Um, also, uh, just uh, I think I've... Uh, I've been a fan of Tony Robbins for a while, so I've learned a lot from him about body language and the use of uh, your what you're thinking about in the moment, the words you're telling yourself in the moment, and how you're standing in the moment. Also, all those things, all those three things, can really affect the way you present yourself to the world. But um, if I were to just say one thing, it would be body language. If just standing tall and feeling like you're unstoppable, and that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing that I encourage people to do is actually just as just like athletes go through and visualize yourself having a, a successful connection with a mentor. Like let's say you're going to a networking event and you know that your target is going to be there. Then I want you to think about what you're going to wear, you know, imagine yourself walking in, you've parked your car, you found a parking place. Yay, mm-hmm. you know, you've walked in. And imagine yourself feeling really confident, really great, uh, but you go up to this would-be mentor, you say hello, you introduce, you make a connection, you know, later you link in with them, you um, have coffee, you, you know, and, I, and, and the, the thing about connecting with a mentor, I think it's really important to realize that you need to do a small ask before you do a big ask. Mm-hmm. So approach the relationship again like you would any other interpersonal relationship you're not going to ask someone to marry you on a first date um, usually so you're not going to come right out and say will you be my mentor <laughs> instead have something small to ask them about and then uh, I have a whole new set of research I've been doing on tests and challenges and so what I'm finding is that mentors have this whole set of like um, like implicit tests or expectations that they have for protégés and then protégés have them too and it's like people don't necessarily want to recognize them they're almost unconscious but when you um, you know expose them they realize oh you know what I do have a set of expectations so I mean like one of mine if somebody comes to me and they want to be mentored is I will usually give them like a first assignment you know and it might be Something like do the strengths finder, come back, let's look mm. at your results. Um, or, you know, great example that I love from my book. Uh, so, Hilda Solis was one of our interviewees. She was the, she was the former um, U.S. Department Secretary of Labor. So, she had a woman she was protege, who was her protege, and, and the woman said, You know, I want to get into politics. How do I do this? And Hilda said, Well, here's the deal you need to go out and raise $10,000. And so you first make a list of everybody that you can ask $100. Of, mm. And then you make a list of people you can ask 1000 And then you go on. And when you have $10,000, come back to me. We'll talk again. So I think that's that whole idea of being aware that when you're interacting with a mentor that there are a set of expectations. And if they make a suggestion, it really behooves you to to follow up with that um, and to really even ask them, you know, as you go along in the relationship and to check in about um, expectations. 
Yeah, this is great because uh, I think a lot of people falter here thinking that a mentorship somehow is any different from any other relationship. And they start thinking, I just need this person to agree to be my mentor. And from then on, I can ask them any questions I want and I can get all the help I need and all that stuff. But that's not how it works. It's a much more real personal, intimate relationship in some, intimate is, um, may I'll take the word back, but a real and personal relationship. And um, it it's really important for us to nurture it slowly and over time rather than force the agenda right away. Exactly, exactly. It, you know, and then the second piece of that is, I kind of always, I sort of say, well, you know, ask not what you, what your mentor can do for you, but what your you can do for your mentor to paraphrase John F. Kennedy. So it's kind of the idea. Is, I think my, as I think on as I think about some of my most successful relationships, um, and the ones that have lasted the longest are those in which the proteges have evolved with me. So I have one, for example, who's been she graduated about ten years ago. She's been promoted multiple times and. Uh, she and I joke that our hashtag should be hashtag put your protege to work because every time we meet, I feel like she's always volunteering. You know, can I have guests speak at your class and talk about coaching and feedback? Um, can I help you write this thing? You know, can I go with you on this speaking assignment? And it's mm -hmm. like she helps me. I mean, I have another one. I remember probably about seven or eight years ago, I helped get him into a job as a as a social media. Um, director and you know he was so great he came back to me and he said okay Ellen so you can help me get this job but now I have to I want to help you and so you you have got to get a social media platform and I remember he came over on a Sunday sat down he's like we're getting you on Facebook we're getting you I mean I wasn't on you know this was like eight years ago Facebook LinkedIn you know let's get your website going and you know, really, he is the one, and even to this day, uh, when I have blog submissions, he'll occasionally send me things like, okay, talk to your people about doing this or that. Mm -hmm. So he continues um, to serve in that role as like my social media guru. That's great. So it's like, a, as as we started the discussion in some ways, it's a two-way street, and we're we're giving as much as we're taking. And in some ways, as protégés, we're, we're giving more. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, just... and I, I think especially like so I, you know, I teach a lot of twenty-year-olds, and so and I'm always saying, all right, now you've got to go out. I actually give them an assignment: go get a mentor. And their biggest thing is, oh, nobody wants to talk to a college student. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. There's a ton of research that shows that two of the things that mentors like the most, and they they don't get enough of, are appreciation. And encouragement. I mean, think about it. It's like, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have a boss who's who's saying, "Hey, great job." Um, you know, you've got clients and customers, and you know, sometimes they're very critical. And so, having like having people in your life that appreciate you and um, you know can give you honest praise and feedback. That's great, you know, and, and the same thing like having people in your life that um, that like are emotionally contagious in a positive way, that's huge, you know, and I always say to me like that's the litmus test of whether or not you should stay in a mentoring relationship, you know, ask yourself like after you're meeting with them, do I feel more energized or less energized? And so mm -hmm. as a protege, 
you want to make sure that you leave your mentor feeling more energized. You know, maybe that's just because you've brought in, you know, something cool to talk about or chocolate, you know, or you've just, you know, you've just brought in a breath of fresh air and, and, and a sense of hopefulness. This is great. This is great because I, I think uh, a lot of people uh, just, just as we were starting to discuss and people, you know, as mentors, people are scared that they don't have much to offer to a, um, um, as protégés, they, they are scared that they don't have much to offer to a mentor. What you said here was really important. The fact that um, just that appreciation, that uh, encouragement or that positivity or that excitement or enthusiasm that uh, as protégés, uh, one uh, we can bring to mentors, it is huge because um, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey sometimes. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who have demands on us, but there are very few people who are <laughs> going to come and tell us that we're doing a great job all the time. Very few people will do that. Our customers will demand from us. Our investors will demand from us. And uh, it can become taxing. So right. having someone who, who appreciates the hard work we put in and who, who kind of uh, looks up to us is a huge, huge, huge uh, gratification. It's like in some ways you're, you're, um, you're, for them to appreciate you and for them to look up to you uh, makes you feel like you're doing something beyond just building a business. You're influencing someone else's life, which is a big, big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, those two things, I mean, that's like cheap and easy that anyone can do. And, you know, and just kind of looking out for those opportunities to be helpful to your mentor. I mean, that helps the really, and then remember, I mean, the mentor gains too, because they get seen as, wow, this is this person who has a cadre of supporters. This is this person, you know, who's connected in to, um, you know, to talent and industries at different levels. So you kind of get, you you enhance the reputational and social capital of the mentor. Um, so, you know, you're a bright up and coming entrepreneur. I mean, who doesn't want that person in, in their circle? I mean, of course you do. Yeah. So this is, this is great. I mean, there's so much great actionable insight here. Um, usually at this stage of the interview, I'd ask for three specific action items, but we have more than we can count here. So <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll let the listeners now uh, kind of take this all in. So, Ellen, if people wanted to learn more from you, get the book, where can they find you? The best place is just to go to my website, which is ellenensure.com, and they can order the book through Amazon. Uh, they can watch the TEDx talk on the website, and I also have a webinar uh, that they can for a more, you know, it's, a, it's an hour-long webinar that I did with Northwestern that they can um, partake in for $5, so mm -hmm. much more in-depth look than, than what I did in the TEDx talk. Got it. Great. Uh, well, Ellen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, last month was really exciting because I got to talk to a lot of you one-on-one. -on -one. I got to understand your challenges and your frustrations in your entrepreneurial journey. And a lot of you got back to me after the call saying that you applied the advice you got from me and it helped you out tremendously. 
And that to me is one of the most rewarding things for me, knowing that I was able to help you move forward. So even though my initial plan was to just do this for one month, given the fun I had and given your overwhelming response and request, I have opened up my Thursdays for this month as well. So I'll do this again. I will talk to you, listen to you, answer any and all business questions you may have and take in any suggestions you have for us, for the podcast, for the YouTube channel, for our products. So if you would like to talk to me, just schedule a free 30-minute chat with me at 2000books.com slash discuss or text the word discuss to 44222 and we will get talking, you and I. Now, I'm really excited about this because it will really give me the opportunity to get to know you, understand you, and serve you better. By the way, I want to be doubly clear that this is not a sales call. I will not pitch anything to you, and I hope you won't sell anything to me either, okay? So let's just talk like friends, deal? All right, so I'm only doing this for Thursdays, and there are only four Thursdays this month, so get a time slot before they're all gone. Just head on over to 2000books.com slash discus or text the word discus to 44222 and schedule a time that is convenient for you. And now I'm really looking forward to talking with you. So let's do this. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot, but I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six-hour-long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. And right now, you can... Give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com slash free. That's 2000books.com slash F-R-E-E free. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, go out and live a courageous life.